0: I have no idea where this will lead us, but I have a definite feeling it will be a place both wonderful and strange. I'll see you again in the
1: meanwhile. Wondering if I can be Bobby's usual.
0: I'm Jasmine. And screaming, leave the pies alone! (laughs) I'm Melz.
1: Welcome to Damn Fine TV's Twin
0: Peaks Rewatch. This week we're covering The Return Part 13, sometimes known as, What Story Is That, Charlie? Or as we're calling it, the C-P-H.
1: Listeners, can we go back to starting positions? It's really much more comfortable. Now let's rock.
0: This episode first aired on August 6, 2017. It was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch and directed by David Lynch. Shocking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, also shocking, the fact that I am about to remember that this is our Patreon exclusive video for the month of May. Right? May. It's
0: got to be for May. Yep. And you know what? Eh, eh, eh. Not going to say it. Not going to say it. Okay. Or I'll say it and don't cancel me. But yes, the memes are starting to go around about it's going to be May. But it's uh, like, that's how that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk mm-mm. about that. No. Uh, so anyways, yes, this is our May <laughs> Patreon video. So, yes. um, you know, if you want to see us on the video, you can head over to Patreon and check that out. And also what you can see is um, in honor of our Patreon video, I am wearing a special shirt from Goth Peaks on Instagram. It is the Sonic Youth, but it's Donna and James. And so I wore it especially for the video and also because um, we get a performance from James in this episode. So it lined up perfectly. But yes, if you were looking for some cool merch, Twin Peaks related, but also like bands or. Oh, yeah. I, Goth Peaks has some great merch out there, so. That
1: is a great shirt. All right, well, yeah, we're here to talk about part 13 already somehow. Like, no no fucking, I mean, time. Again, we understand how it works, but do we really? At the end of the day. Anyway. Not a clue. (laughs) What were your thoughts? Part 13. Oh,
0: okay. Loved it because, I mean, like, as we've titled this episode, um, our first time through, we kind of just came up with Mr. C being at the CPH, which is the crime, like people hang out, the crime person hang out. Um, So (laughs) I knew this was coming and I was, I couldn't wait. It was great. I loved it. So many things happened in this episode that really made me think about, well, okay, well, where are we at? What day is it? What time is it? Who am I? Yeah, With some of the scenes that we saw, but I will just go ahead and tell you, I couldn't keep a straight face at any point of the CPH this time around. I I, w- I was full on pausing, hysterical giggle fits, and I was like, you have got to get it together. And I don't know if it's because I was like thinking the ridiculousness of the CPH, and we'll obviously talk about that. Right. A yes. <laughs> or if it just felt so much sillier and not in a bad way, but like, I, I no. guess I, I know what's coming, so I wasn't too. Um, anxious about it like I was the first time around. But yeah, so it was great just simply because of the CPH, though, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. So CPH sequence is really fun. And I think ever since our first chat about it, there's always been that lens over it where it's not (laughs) it's not this like rough and tough like gangster uh farm industrial thing it's like it's the crime person hangout they have hours on their door like hours of operation um yeah so it's always gonna have that lens over it now
0: um they close for lunch absolutely they do this is a legit business that's right yeah they are on the bbb (laughs) better business bureau (laughs) they They have have a sign that says
1: be back in five like we've gone for (laughs) lunch like yeah Maybe they're taking more than five for lunch. I hope they are. There's a lot of them and they're big dudes. They're going to need more than five, I think. But
0: I mean, but is it nursery school? They could be eating fruit roll ups. That maybe only takes five minutes. That is probably correct.
1: I think you're probably (laughs) onto something with that.
0: They have a juice box and a fruit roll up. Oh,
1: so much sugar. Well, well, some of the activities are hyper. They are hyper. So I think also for me during that sequence, I was thinking about, because this, this was the first episode that we ever talked about with uh, the, the TB boys, the Talking Backwards yes. guys. Like this was the first thing we ever recorded with them. So technically we've talked about this episode, like this will be our third round talking about this episode, which is kind of wild. So I know we've we've probably said a lot about this episode already in the past, but something that I, so I was trying to like, for my overall thoughts, think like, what haven't I said about this episode maybe And I think this is a thing that we get all throughout The Return, but I just really, I guess, noticed it a little bit more or hadn't really thought about it in this way on previous watches. But there's so much subtext in this episode and like even sub subtext. There's like E plots and F plots and like Z plots. Like there's so much going on in the background, like. I mean, for example, what happens at the CPH when we're not there? Or, like, what is going on at the Las Vegas Police Department? Like, all that wild screaming and stuff. And I just, it really struck me, like, Twin Peaks has such a rich and, like, well-developed background universe. Like, there's so much background noise happening that I think probably a lot of people find frustrating, like specifically stuff like that. Stuff like at uh, the Las Vegas police department, like, why are we just waiting for that noise to go away? But to me, it's like, I feel like these places exist outside of what we see them in, in these scenes. Like, I think you can watch a lot of shows and be like, well, that, that location really just existed for that specific scene. There's like no yeah. dynamic, like there's no dynamics to it. There's no like liveliness to it. You kind of leave and you don't really ever think about it again. But in my head, I was like, man, I really want to know what was going on at the Las Vegas Police Department. Or like, what does Renzo do on a daily basis? Like, it <laughs> just, it was the kind of episode that had me thinking about that stuff. So I thought that was yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean,
0: what is the boss at the CPH's duties? I need yeah. a whole, like, yeah. job duties. Like, do you post this on LinkedIn? To Like, I know the process, but how do you apply right. to fight? To be, you know, so it's like when they post. Do you just have to roll up like
1: Mr. C? Like, yeah, I need
0: to know. But if I'm looking for this in a career to be a CPH uh, boss, right? I need to know the duties because what if it involves something I'm not qualified for? Right. So, yeah, listen, David, we, yeah, Mark Frost, we need this information. Okay, this is pivotal. Mm -hmm.
1: So we're gonna need the CPH spinoff like immediately.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's the movie yeah.
1: he just made. <gasps> dun dun dun. <laughs> it's that yeah, long-awaited CPH spinoff, which is not even called the CPH. So I
0: know. would die if it was just like a short of just like one random scene out of Twin Peaks. It was like maybe um thirty-five minutes of just nothingness. It would be absolutely perfection to me. Perfection. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Agree. Well, the Mitchum bros plus Dougie parade into Lucky 7 insurance as a troubled Anthony watches. They shower Bushnell with gifts, but no one is more excited about it than candy. Todd orders Anthony to take care of things ASAP.
1: There's a lot going on, but for whatever reason, I really zoned in on thinking about the pink ladies. Like, what is their deal? Who the fuck are these women and what is their deal? Like... I know we've discussed a little bit before, maybe they were also at the orphanage or maybe something happened to them that put them in a similar situation that the Mitchum brothers were in. And that's why they show them this like empathy or whatever. But I think this is doodle, like, you know, commit me to an asylum or yes. whatever. But like, <laughs> what if they are Caroline, Laura and Annie?
0: I'm sorry. Come again. <laughs> okay,
1: keep going. Keep going. I mean, that's really as far as I've gotten with this. But if we wanna, if we wanna go back to the whole like, this is all some sort of dream co- construct or like subconscious, whatever. I mean, like, if this is coming from Cooper. These are the three women, like the, and even like Annie being kind of a doppelganger of Caroline and Laura fitting into that somehow as well. Like, what if these are just more doppelgangers and tulpas? You know, not exactly that, but just to put that or languaging just, out there. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Parallels are like, well, that's the thing yeah. about if you go the dream route, right? Or, or however you want to look at what's happening in the reality of Twin Peaks. In your dreams, you, you you see somebody in your dreams and you think you've made them up when in reality you've seen that face somewhere before right. and it just changes a little in your dream. So like if you use that logic and then you think about it, then that this, this could be projections or like just enough little remnant of those three characters that we know as Caroline, Laura and Annie being just subconsciously, like, in there and in important scenes that happens, especially with Dougie.
1: Especially with Dougie, yeah. Right. Yeah. So
0: I I, I mean, I could see it. I can see it.
1: The only other thing that I really came up with was, well, they're just, like, it's a trope. Like, they're the hot women that hang out with the mob bosses. True. And it could be but, as simple it, as that, but...
0: It just feels like more than that. I think and, so. And, and, and like you said, like, what is it... <laughs> Because, you know, a couple of episodes, we were talking about the emotion from Candy when she hits Rodney uh, getting the fly. Like, you see her crying and very hysterical, and they're very empathetic to her. But then you see that there's that juxtaposition between that and then how she's acting in this one where she... It's bizarre. She doesn't, but it doesn't feel like how we've talked about is what she's saying to them, what she actually said. Like, oh, the traffic. Right. or. Yeah. Yeah. when she was getting Anthony off the floor, right, to bring him up, like, this was just a pure happiness where she's like, you're BMW! Conflicts! You know, I'm like, she's a glorified Price is Right um, sure. <laughs> yeah, gal. But yeah, so I guess that's what I mean. Like, it didn't feel like ditzy. It 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 just felt... No, what she... It just feels th- really weird, yeah, not in a bad way. It's just like, I i like it everything Whatever she it does
1: feels incredibly genuine like i i buy that like that's exactly where that person is at in this moment but it's doesn't take away the fact that it's fucking mm. weird that would be a great spinoff and that that's another thing too where i was like this is like a i mean it's part of the a plot quote unquote but they're so peripheral to everything that mm-hmm. but i want to know more
0: yeah same I also loved, we are seeing more and more out of Dougie as each episode, you know, goes along. And he's Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, picking up on how to, he's saying a little bit more. He's doing a little bit more. But when they first get into Bushnell's office, like Dougie is genuinely like moving his body. Like I haven't seen him move it before. Like he's in the conga line in there and he's smiling and he's like very happy. And I was like, whoa, this is a lot of like. Yeah, this is a big step for Dougie, (laughs) a big dance step, a big dance step. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this was big too. What? Get it
1: though? (laughs) No. Why? He's still not there. The way they laugh
0: at that, I know, and I'm like, oh my god. Oh, they think he's
1: just the bee's knees, man.
0: If I could go through my life just being Dougie, where I where I can get by with everyone just thinking I'm so wonderful by just scraggling out one or two words. That's where I want to be in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Janie E accepts a gym set for Sunny Jim and the Beamer for herself. She's so mm-hmm. proud of Dougie and all that he's been doing lately.
1: I'm, I'm legitimately happy for her. Like, it just, it felt very heartwarming. And even the music as the movers were bringing stuff in was like, it felt a little fire walk with me-ish because it was, like, atmospheric in that way. But I don't know. It felt really, like, wholesome and lovely. And then the way it, like, transitioned into that music playing in the backyard with Deggie or with Sunny Jim, I should say. It I don't know. It was very heartwarming. I liked it.
0: It really was. And I think I'm noticing more, paying a little bit more attention to Sunny Jim mm-hmm. and kind of realizing that I he's got a big impact on um, Dougie. We've seen that when he cries a single tear for him and and their little potato chip moments, things like that. But I also kind of got pulled back into realization that this is just a child too, because he's out there on that jungle gym and it looks like a fabulous time, right? Like he looks like he's at the circus. He's got like a the
1: golden arch one and McDonald's. a spotlight. Yes, yes <laughs> he has one, one part parts. of the M. Yes,
0: <laughs> uh, with the spotlight, but also the music. It's like a toy box or like a um, like a lullaby oh, yeah. type, yeah, yeah, sound to me too. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a full on like somebody's kid type situation. You know what There's I mean? There's a lot it,
1: of stuff like that in here. Like, okay, kindergarten, nursery school. Uh, mm-hmm. What story is that? You know bringing Sonny Jim back into being this childlike figure. I mean, there's a lot of that in this episode. I don't really know what yeah. it means, but it's there.
0: I don't either, mm-hmm. but if, but like you said, it felt really good. Like, I was and, like, okay.
1: You know, all that said, though, like, I do feel like Sonny Jim is a little too old for what he's doing.
0: Um, listen, no tea, no shade, no pink lemonade, but let's talk about this for a minute. Okay. <laughs> Superficial Dad did this one Christmas, but this is what it felt like to me. Now, I wanted a Barbie Jeep, okay? Like, Uh, these were kind of getting super popular, like, in the mid, early mid-90s. I was too fucking old for this. Everybody listen to me when I tell you right now. I had aged out of Barbie Jeeps, okay? I'm talking about the ones that you drive. Not the mm. ones for the dolls. Oh.
1: Okay. okay. I had,
0: but I had aged out of this in my life, meaning I was too fucking big for mm-hmm. a Barbie G. Mm-hmm. I wanted one so bad. That's all I asked for. That's all I wanted. I got it. Superficial dad got one for me. When I tell you it looked like a basketball player getting into like <laughs> a, like a clown getting out of a clown car. And, but I just was like, whoa, I, think i'm smaller than i am and i'm not like that wasn't yeah but that's what i felt like here because i was like whoa you're when you're going on the monkey bars and things your legs are touching the ground so so. certain you're too big for that son (laughs) but uh but you know what have fun now maybe sunny jim is getting righted in the wrongs that he's been given through his childhood Mm and he's a little bit older and he's kind of like maybe aged out of the gym set but with dougie Let me say this right way, Mr. D. Things have changed that he's with Mr. D, and so yeah, he's getting like a little bit of this childlike childhood back, even though he might have aged out of it a bit. I like that, yeah. And that kind of makes it sad a little bit, to be honest. But a little bit sad, yeah. But it also because he's getting it.
1: It also like kind of feeds into oh the idea of like the cycles and the looping and stuff. I mean, even the way he like he's visually moving through this gym set in on a loop right but then there's something there too about like the cyclical nature of children going through this stuff with their parents that also just reminds me of stuff that laura was going through with her parents and like mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah mr c arrives at the cph ready to bust raise balls instead he's invited to arm wrestle with the boss leaving mr c feeling like he's back in kindergarten and at starting position with a head-splitting victory, Mister C obtains info from Ray and sends him to the Great Beyond Lodge style.
1: Well, so as we kind, of, we, I mean, I, we said it fully. We said crime person hangout, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess anybody joining us for the first time and didn't hear our first round of coverage, we. I, I honestly I think it was like a bit of a giggle fest that brought us to CPH, but I we're not down with crime peoples, but we're down with the crime people hangout, okay? This is what we are down with. But I was so looking forward (laughs) to this. And I loved that we did get to cover this one with Talking Backwards as well, because we got to bring up CPH on that episode too, which was just so silly. I mean, that was definitely if they didn't like us, they like we would know after that, I think, because that was such a ridiculous thing to bring up.
0: (laughs) Guess what? You down with CPH? Yeah, you know me. That doesn't work. Um, mm. I was trying to do an OPP in there. <laughs> Nonetheless, if you ain't down with a CPH, you ain't down with me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's our, like, that's our feeler, our indicator test. That's with, right. With
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is such a great sequence. And it's so, you know, like the crime shows that have become so popular, like Breaking Bad or whatever, like, this feels like it's directly taken from those new types of shows or even like Sopranos or something like that. Like, And yet yeah, they're doing, I think I think there's something being said here of like kind of the ridiculousness of those shows because it's a bunch of grown ass men who are arm wrestling for the right to become the boss of all of these grown ass men. And even just like the way that they carry themselves and talk to each other, the fact that this man has to hit Mr. C from behind, which we've talked about at length before, but it's like, that's not how you do it. Like, that's not a fair fight. That seems underhanded and a little bit immature. So my whole point being like, they, kindergarten is right because these dudes have never grown up.
0: And we get shows like Sopranos, I mean, from like real life things that we know are happening. Like there sure. are mobsters, there are full-on right. gangsters, there are full-on CPHs all <laughs> around. <right>? Full-on
1: gangsters.
0: <laughs> I love this take on it, though, because in reality, if you look at it, it is a dick-sized match, right? Like yes. a pissing contest. Yes. It's uh, And it's so fucking ridiculous because when you get down to the core of what, I, there's the morals or whatever they're fighting for in these types of situations, it feels very juvenile. Like things that can be worked out in an adult manner, using your words, not having to use crime, violence, all of that stuff. And so I feel like it's very much that. And I love that take on it because that's how I feel with like toxic masculinity, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's very real. It's very relevant. And we have to really understand what that is especially if you're raising a child and it can, male female it doesn't matter like we need to talk about toxic masculinity yeah. because this is it in it's prime and what you really get down to when you look at i'm big bad tough guy and look at all these things like, these ways i can hurt you and, you know but it comes down to something stupid like i'm oh, gonna arm wrestle you over it yeah i um, mean that's just a top that's just toxic masculinity in my opinion like you're allowed to p- have feelings you're allowed to talk about and and resolve things through words and not through violence and actions. And I mean, Mr. C is a big part of that too. And I'm hot for toxic masculinity. Well, no,
1: that's so interesting no, because kidding, but... I mean, I love the way that you have connected these things because I think on, like both previous times that we've covered this episode, I have said that the way that Mr. C talks about, my arm hurt when you moved it like this. Can we move back to these? St-? I've always made this joke that it's like, I'm using I statements. I'm talking about how I'm feeling. I'm using my words. But now I feel like I've finally, or you've helped me come to the final conclusion of why I've always felt that way. Like, yeah, he is kind of maybe supposed to be this stand-in of like, no, no, no. It's cool if we use our words and we can talk about things, which also makes a thing that we've said before make more sense as well. Like when Mr. C gets punched in the back of the head, he instantly becomes this underdog in the situation. And it's so weird because you're like rooting for this evil dude to actually you know come out on top in this arm wrestling but it's all kind of fitting like he is stepping in and being the spokesperson a little bit for like yeah no it's cool if dudes like we can still be really tough and actually we can be like almost kind of evil but we can still talk about our feelings
0: right like there's power in your words and you don't have to be physical right right That doesn't mean that's a, that can, that doesn't mean that's a be all save all, you know what I mean? No, because um, Mr. C
1: does turn around and break this man's arm and and then break this man's face. So. And then
0: literally punch his face in.
1: So. That, that image never gets any Mm -hmm. less shocking. It is always so intense. I mean, I, I think the visual is great. Obviously I love it in this context, but yeah, Yeah. never any less shocking. (laughs) But he gets what he came for. He gets what he came for. He gets what he came for. for, Okay?
0: (laughs) Oh, before we get into that, I I have to say this. I didn't go back and listen to our coverage of this episode. I wanted to, but I just didn't have the time. Okay. I wonder if I've mentioned this before. But whoever is working the camera angles of when Mr. C rolls up to the CPH. Right. Give that person an, an Emmy okay right. because here's the, and i'm just talking about i'm talking about the regular old character that's in the cph because the 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 lighting the angle that's of, true yeah of everything it's like it was all you know zoomed out for him to drive in but then when ray's um <laughs> describing him it's like zoomed in on like this just rugged like tough guy walking yeah. in yeah well, they have very well-placed cameras
1: because even afterwards, like, they get basically a front row seat to what's going on with Mr. C and Ray. Yeah. And, and that's a good angle, too. Like, you can see everything that's going on. So.
0: It kills me because guess what? Um, Western Montana has way better tech than we've seen anywhere else so far.
1: That is a really good point. Wow. All right? Because that screen is <laughs> massive.
0: Um, I'll love it. I'll love it. Wow. The the quality, the mm-hmm. camera quality is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Write into us CPH and tell us Damn. what cameras you use.
1: Yeah, <laughs> let us know what ring lights are you using. How are you doing? We're getting trying everything to get that into CPH such video quality. <laughs> We're trying yeah. to get that CPH glow up on Damn Fine TV. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Uh, but then yeah, I mean he has a chat with Ray, uh, gets the coordinates, and then something is said about the Dutchmans. Yeah. Which I've always loved this, too, where, like, I always thought, okay, Ray is about to say something that we all are dying to know, so Mr. C, C just shoots him.
0: Yeah, you've said too much. Boom, you're yeah. gone. Yeah, Also, so there's two parts in this, too, which I, obviously, any kind of gun violence is going to leave you, you know, shaken, doesn't matter. But there's also, like, so there's a way that he punches out Renzo's face, but then there's also the way that it looks when he shoots Ray. like. Right. I don't know. Like, you've always seen it when when someone's gotten shot, like, in TV or film or whatever. They kind of go down real quick. Like, this was a... I don't know. It was a weird, like, lay down. Mm. But I feel like it was done, like, the actor did it the way that I'm describing that we normally see it. But when they got into editing, they kind of did it this weird way where it's like his bottom part kind of lays down. And it almost looks like he lays back. Like, the way that Mr. C laid back when he got shot by Ray... Before all the scallywags came in and oh, interesting. So good, good stunt work, Ray. Yeah, way to go. Also, we can't leave this scene without noting that Cooper oh. does not need money. Oh no, he does not. Oh, I thought you were going to say we can't leave the scene without
1: mentioning that Richard is at the CPH.
0: Well, that' true. That that' true. <laughs> <laughs> that too. And I um, have to
1: note this. I in my notes I said, why is his skin so nice and clear? Evil people shouldn't be allowed to be even a tiny bit aesthetically pleasing. Like what is that?
0: Acne. Yeah, I need some acne. I need some
1: like dark circles. I need some I, like I don't know. Don't you get like bad skin from being evil? Like don't you get like
0: buildup of toxins because you do evil shit? Or like I don't know. It should be that way. Do not tempt me to start worshiping to Anton Lavey if I gotta have skin <laughs> like that. Okay, because I'll wake up in the morning looking like I went through it the night before. Okay, swear and on these Satan. Stuff- I'll do that. Swear on Satan. Yeah. And these folks wake up and looking like the dewy mist has kissed their skin. Mm-hmm. Get out of here.
1: The dewy mist from the graveyard where they've been doing their <laughs> rituals and shit. That's
0: true. Right? Or it's <laughs> just another layer of the CPA. It's just like... When you took the elevator, definitely he went a Dewey to mist in the CPH. Yes. <laughs> so he was on level one. They're like, get in the elevator, but you got to press three because on two was our Dewey Mist level. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, old Richard is there. Why? Crime person, crime hangout. Sure. But how do you know about this place, Mr. Yeah. Mr. It's a very Richard? interesting so. connection. <laughs> I almost said little Richard. Woo! But. <laughs> The Fuscos give mom directions and uh, gave a chuckle while some casual police brutality occurs in the background. They receive info on Dougie, and for just a dollar, it is thrown in the trash can.
1: This is kind of similar to uh, Mr. C shutting up Ray, as he's about to say more about the Dutchmans. It's like they just stumbled across all of the answers, and they're like, well, that's a huge fuck up. See you later. Just throw that script out. (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure
1: so many I'm trying people, to do that
0: one Fusco Brothers loud. Oh
1: God. Like, Hope there's no crime this weekend or whatever he says. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no
0: murders. yeah. <laughs> oh God.
1: Uh, terrible. I mean, I think it frustrates a lot of people. I find it hilarious. I think this is it doesn't the, frustrate me. I think this is the next level of getting off on withholding. This is like, let me give you a little bit, but then take so much of it away.
0: Absolutely. You know, it doesn't frustrate me. You know what? Okay. Again, I don't know if it's climate based, but I also feel like this is a a semi accurate from what I can tell just by reading, you know, daily news of these are. So what we hear in the background going on at the police station, Mm -hmm. there's an indifference really. From the detectives about what's going on there, yeah. I feel like that's super relevant. Yeah. But I also feel like um, hurried or sh- kind of like crappy detective work, mm. yeah, will often often happens in order to a perp the wrong person, like get the wrong person convicted and in, or it's just lazy detective work, and then some cases go unsolved. And again, right? I maybe putting too much into it but it just seems to me like if it came across any detective's desk that a missing fbi agent's fingerprints were just discovered on someone that you're investigating in vegas i don't think that would be something you would just throw in the trash to collect two dollars from your brothers about
1: the it does seem wild that this person could be in las vegas but also have escaped from a prison in South Dakota and is also this missing FBI agent.
0: But like, isn't that so crazy that you want to look a little bit into it? Exactly. Right? Also, the man doesn't talk. So it just seems to me like it would be like, well, wait a minute now. Also, they know now that there's th- like very little information on him from his past. So yeah. All right. I gave this police brutality that we're hearing going on, I gave it a backstory. Oh, okay. I love it. And for some reason... I have just now assumed that they they have brought in a 119 woman. (gasps) Oh. Why she's in there, I don't know. But nonetheless, and I don't know if it's because it was the screams and, like, there was that guttural, like, bird noise (laughs) in the scream that made me think of her. Uh, But now I'm just going with that in my mind where I'm like, well, they brought her in on something. I love that. And, uh,
1: yeah. That's awesome.
0: I love that. Probably is not it, but that's where I'm
1: going. Why not? It's DFTV canon, so yeah, it's definitely a commentary on poor detective work. And yeah. I think it, I think it even connects into you know the, the kind of like the Breaking Bad's, the Sopranos, the more like nitty gritty co- crime show of the 2000s that is kind of coming into play Absolutely. here because Anthony Sinclair is about to come in and have a conversation with No Name Brian oh, yeah. fucking Cranston. So there's that's our
0: that's
1: there's Breaking Peaks for you right there.
0: Uh, well anthony meets with clark who are aka no name no, no name, name cranston. cranston who can provide him with the stuff to get walter Todd's black job <laughs> not this hold on bruce black <laughs> No, i'm just trying to think of like <laughs> i couldn't think of a beanie that rhymed with walter like balter but that's not <laughs> yeah right. balter black no you got it <laughs> yeah well, he comes to me with Balter Black. Yeah. Uh, also, he's a professor at Hogwarts. That just seems like a professor at sure. Hogwarts. Yeah. To get Todd's <laughs> job done. So, also, he does potions more... and poisons. <laughs> right. Well, he. <laughs> Not Potter Peaks. That's We're it. really covering the That's bases it. here. That's it. Yep. Another level, though, of the commentary on like back alley, because they're obviously he's in the back alley smoking um, and he's, you know, Todd's trying to not Todd, excuse me. um, Anthony's trying to get poison from the detective out there to go through with what Todd's tasked him with. But then that no name Cranston just walks right on over to the other detective that's out there smoking and he's like, Well, he's cracked and we gotta call Todd. And I'm like, Well, okay. So you're all Which is so weird
1: because if they're all in on it, why would they not know that Todd has tasked Anthony with taking care of Mr. D? Like it seems like I- there's a miscommunication. Todd got the wrong red box. He got the wrong file. Like something has happened here.
0: Yeah. Well, guess what? He got a he got a a, a burgundy box this Ooh. time and didn't know what to do with Uh-oh. it. Uh <laughs> oh. Maybe he got a mauve box. I was about to say that, and then I was like, I don't know. I don't know. A black box, maybe. I don't know.
1: A Balter Black box.
0: (laughs) Balter Black's going to be the meme, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Chantal and Hutch talk about Utah and Mormons while enjoying a snack. And really, their conclusion is there must not be more of them simply because they can't drink. (laughs) I mean, I guess. This was a scene I couldn't wait to get to. Oh. It's stupid. Like, stupid as in, like, it's just more Chantal and Hutch, like, back and forth. You know I love these moments between them. Yeah. Like, they're my... Some of my favorite parts of The Return. I love this... Where this conversation is going. Like, you... You can tell... Yeah, they're on the way to do CPH stuff on their own, right? They're not at the CPH, but they're definitely in it, right? And they're just casually, like oh, Mormons, they can't have Coke. They can't have liquor. They can't have coffee. Yeah, but guess what? They can marry like six or seven people. Okay, well, there must not be more of them because they just can't drink. <laughs> I love this rationale right. on why there are not more Mormon people in this world. Well, it's through their sort of, I mean, <laughs> it's a tiny lens that they have.
1: I don't know yeah. that they have much of a like world worldly view. view? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Anthony treats Dougie to a triple threat. Coffee, pie, and poison. He has a change of heart, though, once Dougie discovers his dandruff. I'm just assuming it's it's not more of he's thinking he's getting a massage. He's like, oh, shit. My one weakness. I have dry scalp. I can't do this. I can't do this. It makes him take
1: a long, hard look at his life. And he's like, honestly, the dandruff is really the biggest issue I want to deal with. I'm ready to deal with the dandruff, and and I I want all of this other shit to go away.
0: The dandruff is the cause of all my issues. If I just get the head and shoulders, maybe I'll be a good person.
1: Can you imagine if you really (laughs) sat down and thought about it and you were like, yeah, it's the dandruff. It started it all. It was really my downfall.
0: You know what? I picked up this life of double crossing and shenanigans because... I couldn't control the itchiness of my scalp. That's
1: right, and he needed. This is Dandruff something... Anonymous. DA. Oh, the D A. Dandruff
0: Anonymous, and not
1: the District Attorney. The Dandruff no. Anonymous. I mean, that's that's a rough life when you have when the, you, you're trying to mask that dandruff issue with just so much like I almost said pomp and circumstance, but that is absolutely not what Anthony is up to. <laughs> what a I weird say quite thing the to move through my brain. <laughs>
0: He's not graduating, yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: Anyways, yeah. (laughs) But this dandruff must remind Mr. D of non-existent. It
0: has to be that, right? It has to. Yeah. Yeah. But I also love the fact that he's, like, Anthony clearly thinks that this man has given him, like, a massage. Like, he's, like, friends. He does, yes. Mr. D does not talk, everyone. And I love that he doesn't talk, but so much gets conveyed. Yes. So it's like... Mr. D doesn't have to say one word for Anthony to be like, oh, he knows that I'm under mm-hmm. stress and I'm tense and I could really use a massage right now. And here's my good friend, Dougie, massaging me. I can't go through with it. And they I love feel that also. intuition
1: from Coop.
0: Yeah. And I love that he's just like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's just the indifference on Mr. D's face while he's eating the pie. He's, he's just like, well, uh, let me okay. just take
1: this coffee then. No big deal. <laughs> I'll just have this one. You bought it for yourself, but I'm going to take it now.
0: Oh I think the fun, God, I the funniest
1: that. part to me always has been when he brings the coffee into the washroom, throws it in the urinal, and that guy just goes, that bad, huh? Like, I want there to be a little drum, like the cymbals, like, because that, thank you. That was the only thing missing. It's the perfect line.
0: Well, it's great. I mean, I've never been in this situation personally. I've never. Worst thing I've done is I've been in a restaurant. When I go to somewhere, an establishment to eat, and I don't like the food mm. that I've ordered, I have extreme guilt because I'm not eating it. So what I have done in the past, and I did this with Scott, and he fully called me out, and he was like, you know you can just tell them I just didn't. Or you don't have to say anything. You just yeah. don't have to eat it. Yeah. I wrapped it up in a napkin, and I tried to flush it out of the toilet. Aww. <laughs> now, I say all that to say this. That's the closest. I've never been caught. Like, no one was in the bathroom when I was doing that. I did it discreetly. Right. But this was my... That bad, huh? When he's throwing right. the, yeah. the coffee down the urinal. And I'm like, I've I mean, been there. But nobody's actually caught You should
1: me. just take it to go and, like, give it to... I mean, I don't know if homelessness is a problem where you're living, but could just give it to... <sighs>
0: somebody in need of a meal well thanks for making me feel even shittier after i just told you that i felt incredibly for the future i'm saying for the future
1: here are some ideas and resources for you know so you don't have to feel so
0: guilty i got caught one time um this really mean lady she was she was mean in the way of that she was very old. And I'm not, I'm not being ageist here, but I was very young and she was yeah, very old. Yeah. Okay. And she happened to be our next door neighbor. And when my mom, before I became latchkey age, right? So this sure. is about, I think I became latchkey around seven or eight. So between six and seven. In the summers, I would go over to Miss May's house. She lived next door. She made a terrible biscuits. And I got caught one time trying to flush the biscuit down the toilet because it stopped it up. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I got in big trouble. for yeah, that. Yeah, I could see that. But the flu- food flushing didn't stop there. A few people no, it. no, it's
1: been a lifelong thing for you.
0: <laughs> but now that I've been shamed by Jasmine, okay, on why I'm it was not, not a shame. Why am not providing <laughs> this to the more needy people instead of flushing it? <laughs> oh, it's that old trick. You either put the napkin on top of this. Very obvious. I worked in food hospitality for a long time, oh. and so I'm like. Always very, like, conscious when it... I overthink everything, as you can tell. I just went on a five-minute tangent mm-hmm. about flushing <laughs> flush food down the toilet. So... Becky calls Shelly about Steven. Shelly makes her an offer she can't refuse and then serves fountain drinks without ice. <laughs> Shelly, you, Jasmine, may not understand this. Mm-hmm. If I got a fountain drink without ice... I would not be happy. It is hot soda.
1: Okay. Cubes are crushed.
0: I hope we agree on this. Well, let's crushed. see.
1: Crushed. Yeah. Absolutely. That's only acceptable fuck ice. Fuck a cube.
0: Yeah. Okay, good. <gasps> Maybe it's, at home. It's ice cube. Unless it's ice cube. Then <laughs> well, we give all the Fuck a cube. Respect uh well well, well. But,
1: i mean unless it's at home because i do not have a fancy fridge that will crush my ice for me but same i know.
0: have to do i have they're to actually <laughs> rectangles. Hammer <it> myself. They're <laughs> rectangles yeah so and they don't fit in cups you gotta hammer them down um oh. but no i prefer i know the places that have crushed ice and that's where i will go if i am in the hankering for a soft drink you or i am coming to you for your soft drinks only because yes. i know you have crushed ice love a crushed ice yeah uh yeah. So, what would you like? What would you like to take out of this scene that's not hot soft drinks?
1: <laughs> well, I think there's the question of like when is this happening because it does mm-hmm. feel really strange spot. the way that Shelley responds to Becky, I think feels strange given what we just saw with them in part 11. Although mm-hmm. I will say this, um she seems uncaring about the fact that Stephen has been missing for 2 days. But if this is afterwards, and I think it is because we do see quite a big red mark on Shelly's elbow, probably from where she fell off of the hood of the car, Mm -hmm. um, then she's probably being uncaring because she's like, get the fuck out of this relationship anyways. Like, I'm- Or I've had enough. I've 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 had enough of this. I'm at work right now. Like, this isn't a thing that we can do. And then again, like, if it is before and Shelly just has a random elbow wound, like, if she doesn't really have the context of what's going on, she could just think that it's another one of Stephen's, you know, shitty days or whatever. Like, so I guess when you kind of really break it down, it's not super weird. But it I mean, it still brings up the question of, like, in what order are these things happening?
0: A hundred percent. Because here's the thing. It's going to take me... (laughs) watching it non-linearly. Are y'all proud of me? <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Uh, yay, thank you. Um because ugh, there is a series of events here. Becky gets mad at Stephen and shoots up the apartment. Stephen throws the glass out of the window at the fat trout and is being ph- physically threatening to Becky, right? But here we have Becky on the couch. It almost seems like the beginning of it. Like, Stephen didn't come home. Like, that feels like it would be the beginning, but then Stephen does come home and they have this tiff. And then Stephen, I don't know. Like, I I wish I could put this in order because that would give me a little more closure on why Shelly is only offering. Cherry pie with ice cream and whipped cream, which I feel like is probably a childhood favorite of Becky's, and that's gonna sure. you know, that's what moms do. They're yeah. like, you know what? Some Let me make you feel food. like yeah. my little baby again. Mm-hmm. Right. But it could be, like we just said, where she's like, fuck this shit, I'm out.
1: Fuck this
0: shit, I'm out. Mm-mm. Fuck this shit, I'm out. So maybe she has that attitude of like You know, Becky, I've hit my limit of how I can help you. Yeah. Like, I've done everything. You threw me Rambo style off the hood of the car. You're going to have to start figuring things out on your own. Yes, I agree.
1: I think it's quite possible that the Becky stuff has been happening exactly in order i think what makes it weirder in this episode is the scene with bobby later on where he's talking about he just found that stuff from his dad so i think that even further brings all of the double r stuff into question but yeah anthony comes clean to bushnell yeah i mean i i just want to die or change is one of my favorite lines from the series it, I mean, it definitely echoes Fix Your Hearts or Die, but it's this, like, yeah. complete spiritual crisis of, like... Yeah. I mean, I know we joked about it in the scene before, but Anthony legitimately wants to change his life, and I buy it. Like, I buy every word that he's saying. Even when, you know, he gets a little bit nervous, like, oh, my God, you know about the cops, too? Like, I don't think you know what you're asking me to do. Like, he's terrified, like... I think on past watches, I've read that as, uh, eh, you're not being totally truthful, are you, then? Like, if you can't, you're, you'll testify against Duncan Todd, but you're too scared of the... Co-. Like, I've always kind of found, like, that was a little bit two-faced, but I think he's just legitimately terrified. And I, yeah, something about that line, I just want to die or change. I've been vomiting blood. I can't sleep. Like, I I don't know that I feel for him, but I believe right. him.
0: I mean, same. Like, you get into the entanglement that you're in, obviously, with, you know, the the corruption and all of this. And that's a choice you made. Mm-hmm. Okay? And choices yeah. have consequences. That's right. But that doesn't mean that he can't literally be having his epiphany where he's like, I, right. I don't want to die. Yes. And I feel like that's where this is headed. Yeah. And I also love, too, because this is something that I, I'm becoming more and more fond of Bushnell because not that I ever like didn't quote unquote like him. It's not like that. It's just I I was kind of like, all right, well, we have Bushnell and we're getting bits and pieces of like Bushnell's life and how he runs the company, et cetera. But there is a really good part, too, where it's it. It felt very like father figure scolding a child mm. that had made a bad decision, but loves them regardless totally because he says to him as much as i have contempt and i want to like he balls his fists up you know he's like i want to beat the shit out of you basically he's like i'm we're gonna make this right and i'm gonna help you and so i like that too because i'm like well anthony can i guess feel somewhat safe around someone because i don't think none of that was there for him before right that's true yeah he's a bushnell's a great ally Well, Bobby orders the usual at the double R and joins Ed and Norma for dinner. Hey, girl. Hey, it's Walter (laughs) with business. And Norma has to gather him when he mentions the ingredients of the pie. Weird things were happening, not just with Bobby saying we found some stuff today and I don't know what it is, but also the way he says, "Okay, yeah. Yeah. When when they say that, yeah, it was
1: like little, little boy, Bobby.
0: Right, yeah. but I kind of was like is it because you're talking about Shelley or like Maybe, what or yeah. is it because you just found this stuff from your father so you're kind of like mm. thinking back to like jackrabbits and you're yeah. thinking back to these places with Garland so like it, it felt just very boyish, you know? Like okay. Totally. I'm like
1: I <laughs> I felt like it was also, to like, talking to Norma and Ed, who he maybe has a better... It seems like they have a better relationship now, but obviously not a great track record, especially with Ed. So maybe he felt a little awkward around them. But I really like your reading that, you know, there's all of these events of the day of, you know, finding stuff from his father and having that incredible conversation with his mom that's kind of taking him back to a different time. I've always thought that... Like, he went straight to the double R, yeah, to eat, but also to tell Shelly about what happened. Like, I feel like he was there really excited to talk with her, and then it was just kind of a letdown when she had already gone home.
0: Yeah, because you know she's probably with that dirty dick red.
1: She could be with him. Has she just gone home with Becky? Like, because the gun stuff could have happened before... Bobby found any of that stuff from his dad like there's nothing really in those scenes that tells us I don't think anyway that tells us that that had to happen before they found the cylinder Mm
0: -hmm. right
1: so all of that could have already happened the night before exactly right so okay this is the chair part nine could be before or after Becky's gun incident either way we've been shown certain events out of order whether that's in this episode or in all of the other prior episodes like something is not clicking here like something's not going abc but we don't really know where the disconnect is basically yeah which is fine i think it leads back into your multiverse theory honestly like Uh, this could be (laughs) let's think again to the double r and that scene where all of the Everybody sitting in there, it totally changes. I mean, who's to say that anything we see in the double R, who the fuck knows what world it's from? Exactly. Unfortunately, we live in a multi well, we're being shown the multiverse where Ed and Norma aren't together. And yeah, you're like right. I cannot believe I never like recognized this before, but that man walks up to walk up
0: to her and says, Hey girl. It grinds my gears. Hey I'm girl. Like, First of all, Get the fuck out of here. Who are you to roll up on Norma? Doesn't remember Ed's
1: name. Ed is nice enough to say hello. Like, he's the one that tells us this man's name is Walter, I'm pretty sure. Says, hello, Uh, Walter. Yeah. Yeah. Because Ed has all the class, and this guy is just an ass. Okay. Just came up with that on the spot. Walter's the ass.
0: (laughs) But this is so
1: devastating. Like... Because I think you think by the end of season two, things are going to be great with Ed and Norma. It hurts because we know how long they'd been doing this back and forth, even in the original series, and now add 25 years to that. Yeah. And honestly, Norma, what the fuck? Like, do you not have enough self-confidence to, I mean, even if you're not going to be with Ed, to be with somebody that actually fucking deserves you? Like, Walter is a loser, it's so clear from minute one. Get out. I think we said that yes. on our first round. We were like, get the fuck out of here, Walter. Don't tell Norma how to make her pie or to cut costs or to sell out, basically. And don't bring your iPad with facts and figures in
0: here. No. That is exactly what I was about to say, was the audacity of you to pull out an iPad. Would you? Do you not see this woman with an old telephone? And a date book and a ledger in front of her. I'm gonna need you to get the iPad shit out of here. Mm-mm-mm. Okay? No. Nope. She doesn't operate that way. And I just don't like it, period, because obviously, good on you, Norma, for expanding your double R. You're now a franchise. I think that's wonderful. Good business sense for you. You're you're turning profits or whatever, like you're do but the audacity of him to roll up in there and then tell her, well. We're not using the ingredients that you like, and we're, you really just need to change the name. And I'm like, this is clearly a boundary that she had set with you from day one, and you've been disrespecting it for however long this has been going on. Not good or cool. Leave
1: the pies alone. Leave the pies alone. It's definitely, well, I shouldn't say it's definitely. To me, it feels like commentary on. I guess, like, capitalism. It also feels like commentary on the way that TV shows are made these days where it's like you just milk them until they're fucking dry and you like it has nothing to do with bringing a quality product. It's just like, where can we make more money and more, more, more? It's always like quantity over quality. And I mean, who knows what Frost and Lynch actually wanted to like? It could just be a conversation about Norma's pies, but.
0: What I felt in this moment was the parts of Dr. Amp's YouTube mm. channel or whatever we're calling yeah. it, where he's like the ingredients and like, so he really is honing in on like the food and 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 all of this, but it's all about capitalism. So you're exactly right. It's like a big corporation coming in and booting out a mom and pop. And that's what it feels right. like because it's like, well, you know what? You're the last mom and pop, aka the original, aka, you know, Norma's baby is this and then we were able to you know clone it throughout and we want you to give up everything that you feel about this and force you into a corporate and a and a capitalistic nature and i hate it yeah <laughs> i hate it
1: yeah and good for but norma for, the i mean i know she says well you can talk to me about the alternatives and we'll see but
0: it seems like she's standing her ground so so Dr. Amp catches a glimpse of his shovel mm-hmm. in Nadine's window and the pair reunite. Never thought I'd ship the Nakodi nope Nakoby <laughs> duo. But here I am, all aboard. Choo-choo. So it'd be
1: um, Nakoby or did you workshop Jadeen at all? Listen, let me tell you
0: Jaydeen. what I works. Jade Jadeen J JD. Okay. Um, I workshopped Namp, and I was like, no. Oh, okay. Then I workshopped Aunt Dean, and I was like, Mm-mm, no. Then I workshopped um, J Dean. I did, and then I came. I just came to Nakobi, and I was like, yeah. it Just kind of rolls off the tongue. It does. Yeah. So obviously, I'm here to tell y'all, there's nothing that 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 Nadine will ever do wrong in my book. I don't care. She's got still that little girl quality, even though we're 25 years later. And she's obviously got that quality where she takes, like, propaganda things that Dr. Amp is putting out there. And she's very susceptible to it. But I think that's also a commentary on a lot of things going on in society as a whole. But the kid-like interaction between the two of them. Like, he's not Ant, but he's also not Jacoby. You know what I mean? He's, like, also boyish. So they're talking, and she's like, oh, look, these drapes are completely silent. And I was like, yes, ma'am. And she was like, you know, got your shovel here. I am shoveling my way out of this shit. That's the thing is I think you can find a message you relate to no matter how radical it feels but she's taking it to a personal and she's like, you know what? Yes, I am going to shovel myself out of sure. this shit. I'm going to go after my dream, which was silent drapes. Here I am with a whole store uh, dedicated to this. Yeah. Uh, but then they talk about the fact that the last time he saw her, she was looking for a potato in the supermarket. And I was like, this is just them. Agreed. Like, there's no rhyme or reason for it. And it doesn't have to be. But I will tell you, I, this is the first time I noticed how taken aback she was, though, when she was like, wait a minute, where was I? And he was at the supermarket. And she was He was like, there was a storm that day. And she was like, oh. So I kind of, that was another subtext where I was like, I need to know about the storm. Right. I need to know what happened. Yes. I need to know why this was a big thing for you, Nadine, that you lost a potato in the storm.
1: Well, <laughs> I re- I want to know more about the storm because that seems to, like, trigger a mem- a bigger part of the memory for her, like, what uh-huh. was this storm seven years ago? Like, I want to yeah. know where everybody in Twin Peaks was on the day of this storm and, like, what went down.
0: Listen, how many storms rolled in in season one and two? How many times did I put that in my summaries where I was like, well, storms rolled in. <laughs> so, I you mean, know what I mean? So, it's wrong. like, yeah. well, what was it about this storm right. in particular yeah. that got you Nadine? Yeah. Like, uh, But you're right. I,
1: the whole shipping them thing, like, oh. it's so true and... I think on previous watches, I've been more like, well, it's kind of weird because at one point he was her psychiatrist, like, and is this why she trusts him? Like, because he has been there for her before and so they have this history, but I kind of see this as like a new chapter in whatever their relationship is. And even though they do have these like childlike qualities, they're both inventors in a way. Like she has invented yeah. these silent drapes or drape runners, I should say, and he has invented this gold shovel system or whatever. I, was about like, to say. Uh, I mean he
0: spray painted some shovels. Yes. Let's he, maybe he invented more an innovative. idea.
1: He invented <laughs> yeah. an idea and like a cult, maybe. But they're both inventors. They both have that um innovative. Uh, drive like yeah. and so it's like a new level for them where they're kind of like bonding in that way and it's very sweet
0: Sarah seems to be on an endless loop of Bloody Mary's Siggy's and boxing
1: yeah this is just this was very more sad stuff. More sad, scary stuff, yeah. There's something always violent about what she's watching, right? Like, first time we saw her, she was watching those animals, like, rip each other apart. And this is, I guess, less violent. It's like socially condoned violence. But there's still people fighting each other. So there's something interesting about that. But really, I think what you said in your summary is... is the point of it, the, it's a cycle. It's a loop. Like, sh- it's an endless thing for her. And she can't get out of whatever this cycle is. And it's so sad.
0: It's so sad. And two other things, ma'am. <sighs> the ashtrays. Smoke them. Listen, smoke them if you got them, but also empty your ashtrays. Sure. Okay, sure. That house smells when you sh- bad. When you shuffle into the kitchen for a refill, just dump it in the trash.
1: Just bring a trash and bin it, to,
0: the garb, uh, t- to the garbage room. Uh, to the, it to is the, the garbage well, room. Well, <laughs> well. Yeah. Let's say that's accurate. Uh, but it, does, it definitely reminds me of Lesser Donna when she was like, um, mm. you know, about how many cigarettes. I'm sorry. The-
1: uh, should we? <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't think I understood the reference. Um, okay. Sorry. What did you, <laughs> did you just want to repeat that or?
0: Yes. Lesser Donna. Okay. When so when Laura like- Flynn
1: Boyle did what?
0: <laughs> No, I'm teasing. But it did really make me think of that where it was like. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Your mom smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, Also, is she just taking shots of Bloody Berry? Because, ma'am.
1: It's like she keeps forgetting that she's out of the vodka. Yeah.
0: But it's crazy because as she pours, get a bigger glass and then you won't have to get up so many times. It's called efficiently. Work hard. Like, work. What is it? Uh, work, work smarter, not smarter, harder. Smarter, not harder, <laughs> ma'am. Okay, drink smarter, glass. not harder. Yeah, live your cycles them, smarter, them, not shots. harder. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just when you shuffle in, shuffle back out with a larger glass. Too much <laughs> ask at that point. Well, she's in a loop though, <laughs> so it's that's it. Can't you can't break that? No, that's that's the thing. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Charlie and Audrey continue to argue. Audrey doesn't feel like herself, much to Charlie's dismay. Channeling her inner Diane, she tells Charlie to fuck off, who then threatens to end her story. Must involve the clash because she's torn between should I stay or should I go now? <laughs> that is in my notes. Should Amazing. I stay? <laughs> should I
1: go? Yes. Did the Sarah stuff and Audrey stuff follow each other in the last episode as well? Or is it just that? We got a lot of Sarah and then we got a lot of Audrey. Point being is that like both characters for me are this mixture of sad and terrifying. Because it's it's really sad to see Audrey in this position. You know, we last week we were like, well, this is prime Audrey. Like, this is I'm Audrey and I get what I want. And she still has the sass and she still has the attitude here. But, like, it's very, very clear that something is wrong with her. Like, she doesn't know if the roadhouse is far, which is fucking weird. Like, she knows where the roadhouse is. She's been there. Uh, she feels like she's somewhere else and somebody else. She something about like, well, I have to I have to trust in myself or something like I'm the only one that will or something like that. But point Mm -hmm. being like the dialogue she has here is one sad because you don't want to see Audrey like that, but also so unsettling and scary to be like, well, what the fuck is going on and who is this guy and why doesn't she know where the roadhouse is and why is she talking about Ghostwood?
0: Oh um, a lot of things here. Yeah. A lot of things. Well, and I looked at my notes um from last episode. There's scenes in between Fair uh, enough. the yeah. Sarah and the Audrey yeah. stuff, but but nonetheless, I would still say it what you mentioned is relevant though, because it's two I mean fairly similar but in but in but in obviously different ways, yes. if that makes sense. Yes. But what is, what is this about ending her story? Mm-hmm. And um, the story
1: of the little girl who lived down the lane is very kindergarten nursery school.
0: It is. So it is.
1: what's the connection there?
0: I don't know. There's a movie about little girl down the lane. I don't know if that's obviously what she's. But again, it feels childlike, like we were talking yes. about in, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Let me see what that. Oh, uh, well, it's Baba Black Sheep. So, right. I find that very interesting because didn't she say she's the black sheep of her family in like season one or two? It's definitely season one. Oh,
1: quite possibly. Yeah.
0: I feel like she said she's the black sheep of the family. Right. I don't know. Beyond that, I don't know. But,
1: well, I want to know why there's an echo between something that Mr. C is saying and now something in an Audrey scene. Well, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Have exactly. you
1: any wool? Okay, that's what I want to know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, wait again. Mister C's hair is not the best these days, so I, I imagine it. Yes, feels sir. Like three bags fresh full. <laughs> yes. Well, that that's about we three sandwich bags full. So <laughs> sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not making any jokes this time around. Okay, James performs his hit single. At the Roadhouse with a couple of Maddie Donna lookalikes. And Renee is moved to tears over the performance. You're not going to make any jokes? Wow. Okay. All right. I've grown. I mean,
1: I'm not going to make any jokes either because you 100% know I was rocking out to the song. As much as anybody can rock out to just you, it's not really a rocking song.
0: And honestly, I'm not making any jokes out of respect for you.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Even after I shamed you from
0: your toilet food flushing. After I was ridiculed on this show. You all know how I get treated around here now. Um, My how the turntables
1: turn. Oh, my how the turntables have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, this is super weird, right? Like, not just for the fact Um, that it's James Hurley reliving this moment that we've talked about this before. How could this song possibly bring him any joy? It was something that he sang with a girl that he does not talk to anymore, clearly, and a woman that was brutally murdered that looked like his ex-girlfriend, That not ex-girlfriend, his murdered girlfriend. Like, I can't understand why he would want to keep singing this song. But not only that, he's got... The two brunettes for backup, and he is announced just like the nine inch nails was announced. So there's something not right about all of this.
0: Like does not yeah. feel real. It doesn't. And then also we've talked about this. And I don't think that it's I don't think I'm gonna blow anybody's mind with this, but it's not like it's an updated version right. of the single. Right. Um, it's straight or OG, just yeah. you and I. Yeah. I didn't fast forward through it either. I actually listened to it <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know what? I- I'ma let you have this, James Hurley. I'm gonna let you have this, okay? It's
1: it's way less awful watching him do it as an adult for some reason. Well, it's like it has like a sad tint to it, but I don't know. And then there's something about the way that the crowd cheers for him. And then he smiles for some reason. I was like, I think that's the actor actually just smiling like in the moment. Like, finally, like, like he's just ha- <laughs> <indication>. <laughs> like, he's legitimately just happy to be back on the set. Happy to be, you know, having this nostalgic moment. I th- I thought it was just the actor smiling. I could be totally wrong, but that was just the vibe that I got.
0: And we love you, James Marshall. Okay, never forget. That's true. Just because we don't like James
1: Hurley doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Right. And you know, Renee Uh, crying really kind of struck me as like, remember when we had, uh, it must have been Abby, and we were talking about how does Evelyn fall in love with this man? How did Maddie fall in love? Like, how did Donna all of a sudden fall in love? Like, what is this magnetism that he has?
0: He has the voice of an angel. You said you weren't going to make any jokes. I'm not. (laughs) You've been touched by an angel, girl. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know how to answer that. No, that's fine. (laughs) One thing that I didn't catch, obviously my first time around watching this, or the second when we did this episode with the TV boys, but what's up with Renee's tattoo?
1: Oh, right. Because it looks like... Um... It looks like a branding. Yeah, it does. I know. And I don't know. Which I didn't look me... up if that's the actress's tattoo or if it's Renee's. And
0: it could be. And it could be. But immediately what I thought of was like, a man. is this a manufactured scene in a manufactured setting? Because... In the manufacturing business, when you have, I mean, animals or listen, even laboratory, anything that you need to keep inventory or that kind of stock on, you brand them.
1: Well, and I mean, she's not a one for one for Maddie and Donna, but like kind of like she's just another brunette and she's just Mm -hmm. I mean, we're already dealing with like doubles of the girls on stage and stuff. So
0: interesting. Just something to think of. Mm -hmm. I, not because there were numbers. Yes. I don't know if that's what it was. Now, the numbers themselves don't point to anything that I've seen so far with the numbers that we've seen. I couldn't make them out. I think that it was like 6773 or 6776. So I was trying to, but are they part of the coordinates? I'm going to stop. I don't know. But (gasps) it just pointed to me on an arm. I know it's oh my some, God. there's something there Weird. for her to have that. Unless it's purely coincidental, uh, which could be the case. Happy too, so. happy coincidences, happy accidents, whatever it's called. Or whatever True. he said, yeah. Ed enjoys his soup at the gas station, but what does he see mm-hmm. or feel? Mm-hmm. Does he feel James performing too? Oh, that's so nice. I like that. It's like he can feel there his There is nephew. a motorcycle. But there is a motorcycle sound going on also mm. around the... Out- mm. So I thought to myself, like, wow. That's is really cute. Is he just, cute.
1: like, I knows like his
0: that. nephew's okay somewhere? I <laughs> yeah. love that. That's Performing so his hit single, yes. just you and I. His
1: only single, let's face it. But it's a hit. One-hit so, wonder. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Is he the ultimate one-hit wonder? I think yeah. so. <laughs> uh, Yeah. So he... Ed is looking just out the window of the gas farm. And it's really hard to see this glitch thing that happens in the reflection. But once you do see it, it's very clear that like he in the reflection is not eating, but then is all of a sudden eating. And it just, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but whatever it is, it does not line up with what Ed proper is actually doing. And I think he sees it.
0: I, I he has to.
1: Because he has the strangest look on his face.
0: I I rewinded. Sure. Rewound. I rewound it a few times. Yeah, it that's the only thing I could think of because each time that I would rewind it, I was trying to see if there was something moving outside. Nothing caught my eye in that aspect. No. So I was like. I think he sees whatever this mirror, which we know about mirrors. I don't think it's anything evil per se, but it's something about a different, maybe a different universe, Ed, or something. Oh, well, I
1: was just going to say, yeah, like, what if he is somehow seeing a different version of himself in one of these Mm -hmm. multiverses or whatever? Yeah.
0: I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into it.
1: And then he he burns a little note during the credits. And I assume it's a love note for Norma that he has re he has decided not to send in the end.
0: Is it one from 25 years ago or a newer one that he wrote?
1: Oh, oh, maybe he's
0: burning an old note. Interesting. Because if we're to think. That he got some soup to go. Mm hmm. After, After that big this, ass meal,
1: too, he must be working late.
0: This man's got the metabolism of a fucking mongoose. Because <sighs> did you see how much food are they he was good? eating? I don't I know. Like, <laughs> you are very tiny, sir, to be your age yeah. and to be eating that mm-hmm. much. Okay, kudos to your metabolism. Um, although
1: that I think- said, I meant to look go and look back and see if he's wearing the same shirt. And I mean, he could be an outfit repeater. That's totally fine, but. I don't know if it's the same day.
0: That's true, too. Um, if we go with that line of thought, yeah. though, it would seem that he would be thinking and then maybe see in the reflection like a different vision of himself if things were right. different. Right, so, yeah. Also, he was given the... St- like, I, I, I think I did mention this before and I, I couldn't help but see it the whole time Walter was talking, but he was, like, giving him the fucking stink eye. Yeah. From that booth back there. Yep. So maybe if it's in that if it is in order that way, maybe he saw that as like, I'm just gonna go home and eat my soup and burn this love note that I've been wanting to give to Norma. Yeah, could be. Which is sad. I know. God, I hate it. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, which kind of leads into our dedication. I don't know if you saw my note, I don't know if you like this, I but I did suggest I dedicating this episode to the, you know, true love has died, clearly, because uh Bobby and Shelly aren't together, Ed and Norma aren't together, and that's that should be a crime. That should be I mean, you should go to the crime person hangout, David Lynch and Mark Frost, because that's that's where you belong. Uh,
0: we know who the real bosses are now. The crime's the real committed crime against bosses. Us personally.
1: Yes. Yeah. So yeah, RIP to true love. It's dead.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's <sighs> very hard to accept those two. I know. It's a bummer. Mm-mm. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, RIP to this episode as well. I said that last week. I thought it was funny. I'm going to roll with it. Uh, I like it. If you enjoyed (laughs) this episode, you can always rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform, Dangle and Sprinkle Those stars.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Um, Also, if you want to hang out with us on socials, we are off Twitter. Yeah. So bye bye to that, Birdie. You can find us on Instagram. At Down Fine TV, um, we do, uh, you know, have our promos out there. We have other uh, posts that we put up on things that we're going to, Jasmine, will go into like our Patreon, but we put up posts with content that we're releasing on our Patreon. So come hang out with us there. And then I am on Instagram at Superficial Mel's. Yeah. And I'm also on Instagram at
1: damn fine witch. and if you want more excellent content like that, you gotta head to our Patreon, patreon.com slash damn fine TV, because we leave all the gems in our episodes for our patrons. Like I'm talking about our video episodes, which this is the video version of this podcast. It's our video uh, episode for the month of May And there's a lot, there's a lot that uh, the patrons are getting that we're, that I'm probably going to cut because I look stupid, but I, the patrons pay to look at me stupid. So they (laughs) get it. That's, that's a privilege that they are afforded.
0: (laughs) you get us in all our glory over there. That's right.
1: Yeah. Uh, But more (laughs) than uh, video podcasts, I mean, we do other videos for completely other shows, uh, like for april it'll already be passed now but we're going to be covering atlanta who knows what we'll be covering in may and if you want to have some say in what we cover join the patreon because we put up polls every month deciding like what we're going to do for our live stream what we'll do for our extra video podcast all that kind of stuff so come and hang out
0: it's so fun over
1: there yeah uh and yeah that's it for part 13 we're obviously going to head into the spoiler slash connection section. But uh, if you're not joining us, we'll see you soon for part 14. And thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.
0: On me with and
1: we're back in the spoiler slash connection section. All right. Well, I've got two quick things.
0: Okay. So Slay-a-mommy.
1: when I had that whole wackadoodle theory that the three pink ladies were sort of parallels or whatever for Caroline, Laura, and Annie, then I was like, oh my God, Caroline, Carrie, that's also Laura. That's just another layer. Uh, and I, lit- I, I literally did this when I thought of it. Oh! <gasps> And then I laughed at myself for, like, five (laughs) minutes because I was like, that is an inappropriate reaction for the thought that you just had. Like, that did not warrant any of that, Jasmine. Come on.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it.
1: (laughs) All right. So that was a weird thought that I had. And then um, Audrey, when she's chatting with Charlie, she says, I don't know who I am, but I'm not me. And Diane also says, I'm not me in part 16 when she is you know finally awakening or whatever so does this suggest some sort of tulpa status for audrey what do you think
0: okay i have toyed with this thought
1: yeah i I think we might have talked about it before i don't think this is like anything
0: no it's mind-blowing or whatever but the more i think about it i while i'm super interested in that what what purpose what a tulpa of audrey based on what we get um in the return for her like we don't see her ever um associate or like she's not ever in scenes with any of the other characters mm. or anybody from core twin rights, right so When I think about Diane being a Tulpa, that makes total sense because she's manufactured for a reason. Dougie, same thing. Right. What would her
1: purpose be? What would she be
0: manufactured for? However, however, could something have been created in the Lodge? I mean, when Mr. C raped her. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I'm just saying like that was... They made a demon baby, and we know from American Horror Story how that turns out. Yep. We know through Twin Peaks how a demon baby turns out, too. But I guess I'm thinking, like, if you have a connection like that, because don't forget, Mr. C also rapes Diane.
1: Right. Yeah. So
0: there wouldn't be—I guess what I'm trying to say here is that if any situation were to arise, I think it would be from the actions of, you know, Mm. Evil Cooper or Mr. C— um, you know, in the events very shortly following his following season two before his disappearance for all these years, yeah, so could something have come out of, but then, like when we get the end scene with Audrey and we don't know where she's at or what is happening or where has she what is she awakening from i i i it doesn't feel like the lodge for sure because it's very sterile feeling in there, so. I don't know. Like, I'm torn on that.
1: Well, I think it's kind of... I was going to say it's easy to be torn on that, but maybe it's not for some people. But I feel like, for me, it's also really easy to be torn on that because part of me me doesn't want to dismiss that language, like, that specific use of that wording. But, yeah, like, why... Diane was being used to possibly potentially uh get information from the fbi for mr c uh dougie was used to be the swap for the black lodge so mr c wasn't brought back in so yeah i mean if anything maybe we just don't know what her purpose is yet although it could be on like some sort of strange meta level like i have always loved the idea that diane came to us in her first form as a tulpa and just going back to the original idea of what a tulpa is, a thought form coming to life. And it's like, is this is this another commentary maybe on what everyone wanted so badly? And yet, I guess that really wouldn't be our thought form, though, because none of us would. Like, she would just be, like, dancing in the double R. But then again, she dances at the roadhouse. So I don't know. My point was, like, that this is a tulpa for... Uh, the audience in some way like this is what sure. we brought to life sort of or like there's a yeah more meta commentary there i don't know this is i'm heading to the wackadoodle territory so no
0: i i like this um and there's but there's so much in what is happening between audrey and charlie especially when he tells her i will end your story too yeah well wait, i don't so know creepy. what that means because whose other story have you ended a and b what does that mean it, because here's the thing like it's kind of like when we're talking about Russian doll or we're talking about that concept of you you die and you start over right and so would that be what that means? Like I'll end your story, meaning I'll pull the plug on this round of you and then I'll plug you back up and you'll be in a totally, and then you'll be Not even more plug confused. her back up. Mel. <laughs> you know what I meant? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Plug her back in. Um, I don't know. Yeah. There's just so much. And I, again, I, I appreciate, I really do appreciate what they've done with Audrey in the return. And I, I don't hate it. Mm -mm. I, Of course, I wanted more, you know, because that's what we all want from all these characters. But I'm very happy with just the little bit that we do get. But the more times I watch it and the more I pick up on certain points of dialogue, it always makes me wonder, like, what is like, What is the purpose of what's happening with her? Because do we really want to buy that? uh, Is this her? Okay, think about this, because I've thought about this before. Cooper went into a coma when Wyndham shot him over Caroline. And this whole thing has been his whole thing while he's in a coma. I I floated that for a little bit. I don't feel that way anymore, but I floated that. So what if this is, Audrey's been in this coma, but all of this is her... Right. Her loops and her... Leading into what we know, talked we about just,
1: last week with the Roadhouse stuff. Right. Like, is she somehow connected to all of that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really have anything in the connection section. I think, if anything, and I we talked about it, like, in the... During the episode, but just more of the... What time... Like, what timeline? Like, For where, sure. when are these events happening? Um... And I think it's safe to say, I probably didn't even need to say this for the spoiler connection section, but it's definitely not happening in a linear fashion. And also I the more I continue to watch with this multiverse lens, mm-hmm. the more yeah. I am convinced that that is exactly what it is. And when we get Richard and Linda, we're we're just opening to another multiverse. Mm. But he's got Mm -hmm. different names because I even kept thinking about this. I don't think I mentioned it. Maybe I did. And if I did, I'm sorry for repeating. But even you have the small differences, like in the (laughs) Spider-Man multiverse theory, like one of the Spider-Mans didn't have an MJ. Her name was Gwen.
1: Okay. So if you
0: look at it that way, you're like, well, okay. So one of the multiverses of Cooper is he's not Dale Cooper. He's Richard. And Diane is not Diane. She's Linda. But it's still the same kind of story and still the same premise around okay. what they're doing in these So then that also right? fits with the pink ladies thing. Right, exactly. So, and I also
1: was wondering, I mean, I don't know how well-versed you are in multiverse uh, logistics and, and things like of that nature. But I wondered if there was like, is could there be a, a section, a, a verse in the multiverse where things are kind of diluted yeah so then that might be the pink ladies then like they're very diluted kind of mute isn't the right like i know mute isn't a really nice word but like non-verbal maybe i guess uh, versions of these women
0: yeah yeah i mean literally just parallels but just under it's not the same face. It's not the same actions, but they're echoes or there are parallels between it. Mm-hmm. And I think about also because another thought I went to is why after Coop and Diane go through, you know, they leave Gordon behind. They go through, they're in the car. Right. They say, like, okay, once we cross here, right. things could be different. Which but that that makes me think of when my, when I'm making my dark tower connections because all within this tower own one level of the tower. There are many doors that are like splits off into, so not even having to go to another layer of the tower or the multiverse to get a different, but you just go through a door from one part of it that leads you into, but maybe it doesn't fit with, the other part i i, I guess also wow. if you've watched castle rock this was a big thing in season 1 when we got all these versions of henry deaver yeah like henry deaver was a um was a black man lawyer in one but in the other universe he was a white man and he was a a scientist that was developing for um amnesia or mm-hmm. right, dementia he right, 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 was right, right. developing that chip for it mm-hmm. so same kind of helping people line through but totally different right it, it, even down to i mean race and, and, and i mean same gender i suppose but you know what i mean right. by that so it's yeah. like but that felt like a door that one had crossed into the wrong timeline I'm getting super out there. I know. No, I love it. But the more I connect that, Mm. it feels right because there's the examples that we've been given of a multiverse. And I've only seen it, like I said, in the Marvel superheroes, you know, in in the MCU. But I've also seen it in all of Stephen King's works. Well, I guess we could also look to Dark on Netflix. That too. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a big dealing with time fuckery, right there. Huge. I so I think we're gonna
1: see it in Russian Doll. Oh,
0: I'm sure. I think I'm sure. Given Which the prep, given
1: you'll all know the at this first point season. because it will be yeah. out by the <laughs> by the time. Yeah. But
0: yeah. So I guess hmm. I, I I guess I'm. I thought more about why would they have different names? Why would they? Why would it take them to these different places? And then Laura yeah. is Carrie, is this, but it's all because it's a layered, it's your layered life and the path that you're taking. And this all is from Dale Cooper, who we are first introduced to. But the Dale Cooper goes through many, we're just seeing all of his doors and all of his, sure. his levels in sure. his own tower. Yeah. And in
1: a show that has, fully established the idea of doppelgangers existing, why would then... I mean, even if you just want to reduce it, quote-unquote, to the language of, like, well, that's the doppelganger world. Like, don't call it a multiverse, don't call it a different level of the tower, whatever, don't call it a different door. It's just the doppelganger. Or And then that one's the tulpa. Like, they established this lore, so how could it not be possible? I
0: love it. I... Again, I've said yeah. this so many times, but I am really loving connecting a, uh, which I think we always had this. We always had this idea of we. We're just now actually pinning it to this multiverse concept because we're seeing more and more of it since we last. That's one, true. My actually, first time
1: yeah.
0: Um, but I think we've always, when we talk about dream sequences and infinity and your loops and your cycles, I mean, I think it's just becoming more and more to where I am clinging on to. The, the the gunslinger and Dale Cooper. His mission is to always chase the man in black, get the gunslinger. Right, go through all of these things to get to the tower. With Dale Cooper, it's he's always going to be chasing whatever this Laura Palmer story yeah. is. It's just going to yeah. be somebody different.
1: Yep. You know. Yep. So. Loops, cycles, and ceilings. Fans.
0: Gosh. Cause. Good this shit. Is great. Well, if that's all for this week, Jay and I are off to the CPH to judge their big kindergarten games competition.
1: Yeah, there's gonna be some hide and seek, some monkey bars, a little red rover, but of course, our personal fave, the classic duck duck doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever eaten moldy chocolate? The Tardigrade? I'm Jasmine. I, Swear
0: on Satan, I'll do that. Yeah, uh, That's <laughs> my head cannon. Okay. Into it, into it, into it, into it. All of it. I'm Mel's. I love it. Dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and if
1: you're watching TV. I love it. Make sure it's damn fine TV.
0: This is amazing.
1: That's, that was awesome. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs>